It's a warm summer's evening and everyone's in bed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think I'll start reading a book to you. Children or adults, if adults are listening, called Skylark. It's the sequel to the Newbery Medal winner, Sarah Plain and Tall, which I already read to you. It's a Harper Trophy book. And a sequel means the book that comes after or something that comes after. So the story continues. And that's kind of fun. It's written by Patricia McLaughlin. I believe I said her name right. I checked it last time, but now I've forgotten. She's written a lot of good books. So this book was written in 1994. That's quite some time ago now. And the very beginning says, catches us up on the first book called Sarah Plain and Tall. It says, Papa married Sarah on a summer day. There were no clouds in the sky and Papa picked Sarah up in his arms and whirled her around and around, her white dress and veil surrounding them like the summer wind. Caleb was so excited and happy, he burst into tears. Everybody was happy. Chapter one. Stand on that stump, Caleb. Anna, you next to him. That will be a good family picture. Joshua, the photographer, looked through his big camera at us as we stood on the porch, squinting in the sunlight. Caleb wore a white shirt, his hair combed slick to his head. Sarah in a white dress, Papa looking hot and uneasy in his suit. The lace at my neck itched in the long, in the summer heat. We had to be still for so long that Caleb began to whistle softly, making Sarah smile. Far off in the distance, the dogs, Nick and Lottie, walked slowly through the dry prairie grass. They walked past the cow pond, nearly empty of water, past the wagon, past the chickens in the yard. Nick saw us first, then Lottie, and they began to run. Caleb looked sideways at me as they jumped the fence and ran to us, running up to stand between Sarah and Papa as if they wanted to be in the picture too. We tried not to laugh, but Sarah couldn't help it. She looked up at Papa and he smiled down at her, and Joshua took the picture of us all laughing, Papa smiling at Sarah. Joshua laughed too. Your aunts will like that picture, he said to Sarah. Sarah fanned herself. They hardly know what I look like anymore, she said softly. I hardly know what they look like anymore. I looked at Caleb. I knew Caleb didn't like to think about Sarah and her aunts and her brother and the sea she had left behind. It's Maine you came from, isn't it? said Joshua. Yes, said Sarah. She lives here now, said Caleb loudly. Papa put his hand on Caleb's head. That she does, said Joshua, smiling. He turned and looked out over the cornfield, the plants so dry they rattled in the wind. But I bet Maine is green, Joshua said in a low voice. He looked out over the land with a faraway look, as if he were somewhere else. We sure could use rain. I remember a long time ago. You remember it, Jacob. The water dried up, the fields so dry that the leaves fell like dust, and then the winds came. My grandfather packed up his family and left. Did he come back? asked Caleb. Joshua turned. No, he said. He never came back. Joshua packed up the last of his things and got up in his wagon. Papa looked at Sarah. It will rain, he said. We watched the wagon go off down the road. It will rain, Papa repeated softly. Will you worry if it doesn't rain? asked Caleb. Yes, but we'll get along, said Papa. 
We always get along. Imagine having to leave, said Sarah. Papa took off his jacket. We'd never leave, Sarah, he said. We were born here. Our names are written in this land. When Papa and Sarah went inside, Caleb looked at me. I knew what he was going to say, and I didn't want to hear it. Sarah wasn't born here, he said. I picked up the pail of grain for the chickens. I know that, Caleb, I said crossly. Papa knows it, too. Caleb took a stick and bent down in the dirt. I watched him write, S-A-R-A. He looked up at me. I'm writing Sarah's name in the land, he said. You can't even spell, Caleb, I said. You can't. I walked away. When I turned back to look at Caleb, he was staring at me. I wanted to say I was sorry at him, sorry for being cross with him, but I didn't. Happily ever after, said Caleb when Papa married Sarah. Now we'll live happily ever after. That's what the stories say. Caleb said that all through summer and fall when the prairie grasses turned yellow, through the first winter when Sarah and Papa were married. He said that all winter long when the wind blew around the corners of the house and ice sat slick on the windows, he said it when he fell through the ice on the slough and he had to sit in a tub of warm water, his teeth chattering. I like the sound of it, Caleb told me. Happily ever after. Chapter 2 The days grew hotter, the sun beating down on us. We stayed inside as much as we could. Even Nick and Lottie stayed inside, stretched it out on the wood floor to keep cool. Papa walked the fields, measuring the level of the water in the well over and over, waiting for rain. He came in, bringing the dirt with him. Papa, I poked at his feet with my broom. Your boots. I was sweeping, trying to keep the dust out. Sarah was scrubbing the kitchen floor on her hands and knees. Papa was hot and tired. That may be the last washing for the floor, he said to Sarah. We have to save water. That's a mixed blessing, Sarah said, brushing her, the hair off her face. She watched Caleb feed seal. Don't feed her too much, Caleb, said Sarah. She's getting fat with your food. Papa looked closely at seal. I think she's more than fat, Sarah. Sarah looked up. What? What does he mean? asked Caleb. I smiled. Kittens. He means kittens, Caleb, I said. Caleb and I spoke at the same time. Can we keep them all? I asked. When will she when will she have them, Papa? asked Caleb excited. Don't know, Caleb, said Papa, drinking water from the tin cup. Sarah sat back. Has she ever had kittens before, Sarah? asked Papa. Sarah shook her head. No, never. Papa smiled at Sarah's look. She stared at Seal for a long time. Kittens, she said, her face suddenly breaking into a smile. Kittens. Light, late light fell across the bedroom. The windows closed to the prairie wind. I, I held Sarah's wedding dress up to me and looked in the mirror. Anna? I jumped, startled, and Sarah smiled at me. I didn't mean to frighten you, she said. I looked in the mirror again. Someday I'll marry and move to my husband's land. That's what Papa says. Oh, he does, does he? said Sarah. That's what you did, Sarah. You came from Maine to marry Papa, I told her. Sarah was silent for a moment. She sat on the bed. Yes, she said slowly. I guess I did. You fell in love with us, said Caleb in the doorway. I did that, she said. First your letters, then you. Did you fall in love with Papa's letters too, before you knew him, asked Caleb. I sat on the bed and watched Sarah's face as she remembered. Yes, I loved your Papa's letters, said Sarah softly. I loved what was between the lines most. What was between the lines, Caleb asked. 
Sarah looked at me when she answered. His life, she said simply, that was what was between the lines. Papa's not always good with words, I said. Sometimes yes, said Sarah, laughing. But when I read your papa's when I read your papa's letters, I could see this farm and the animals in the sky and you. Sometimes what people choose to write down on paper is more important than what they say. Caleb didn't know what Sarah meant, but I knew. I wrote in my journal every night. And when I read what I had written, I could see myself there, clearer than when I looked in the mirror. I could see all of us. Papa, who couldn't always say the things he felt. Caleb, who said everything. And Sarah, who didn't know that she had changed us all. Sarah loved the snow. We don't have drifts of snow in Maine, she said. She waited and watched for it so she could paint the prairie snow with morning sun on it. She taught me to paint with watercolors too. We painted the barn and tree, the barn and tree by the cow pond, and we painted the sky just after sunset, Sarah's favorite time. When you can't tell where the color comes from, Sarah said. End of chapter two. Amy's going to head to bed and I'll read to you more tomorrow. Chapter three. On Sunday, the air was still, the way it is before a storm. We dressed up and rode the wagon to church. Inside the church, it was cool, like a prairie spring, and Caleb fell asleep. Matthew, Maggie, Rose, and Violet, our closest neighbors, sat in front of us. Tom, their baby, turned around and reached out to Sarah. She smiled and took his hand. Papa smiled too. We all hated to go outside into the sun again. Maggie and Sarah walked to the wagons, shading their eyes against the sun. Any news? asked Maggie. Seal is having babies, said Caleb. Lots of babies. Maggie laughed. That's big news, come to think of it. I've seen Seal at our house, said Maggie. With Sam, the orange cat, Sarah smiled. So it's Sam, is it? Sarah and Maggie laughed together. Then Sarah reached over and took Tom in her arms. She kissed the top of his head. I'm surrounded by motherhood, she said softly. I looked up at the way her voice sounded, sad and thoughtful. A calf do soon, she added, then kittens. Papa and Matthew came over, Papa's face serious. What is it, asked Sarah, what's the matter? The church well is down. A whole foot, said Matthew. A foot, exclaimed Maggie. That's even more than ours. Papa looked up at the sky. What if it doesn't rain, asked Caleb. I brushed his arm with my hand, as if I were trying to brush away his words. It will rain, Caleb, I said. Tom held out his arms to Papa, and Papa lifted him up, smiling. Are those clouds, Tom, he said, in the west? Maybe it will rain. Maybe. Yes, said Maggie, trying to be cheerful. It will rain. Her face looked serious suddenly. It will rain, she repeated. It's just the time before it rains that is hard. It always is. We rode home, followed by clouds of dust tossed up by our wagon. The sky was blue. Heat waves rose off the land. As much as Papa wished for it, there were no clouds in the sky. Anna, Anna. I opened my eyes and morning sun poured across my quilt. Caleb was there, half-dressed. What? The calf is born, hurry. Caleb pulled back my covers and I jumped up. We ran downstairs. Why didn't you wake us up? I asked, excited. When was he born? She, said Papa. He sat at the kitchen table drinking coffee. Eat your breakfast first. Papa drank coffee and Sarah put bowls on the table. 
Caleb tried to run out the door, but Papa reached out and grabbed him. Eat, said Papa firmly. Hurry, Caleb, eat faster, I said. I'm eating as fast as I can, said Caleb. Is Mamie excited? Does she like her baby? He asked Papa. Papa grinned at Sarah. An excited cow? I'm not sure I noticed. What do you think, Sarah? I think she likes her calf, said Sarah, smiling back at Papa. What does she look like? I asked. Small, brown, said Papa. She has some white on her face. Sarah looked at me over her cup. Your Papa says her face is as pale as the winter moon, she said. And to think that you said that sometimes he is not good with words. I smiled at Sarah. Moonbeam, said Caleb. We could call her Moonbeam. Papa laughed at the name. Finished, Caleb said, his spoon clattering in the empty bowl. Finished, I said. And we ran out the door to the barn, where in the shadows, Mamie looked up at us, her eyes steady. After a moment, Mamie leaned over to lick the calf that lay in the hay. Sarah's right, whispered Caleb. Mamie likes her calf. Papa was right, too. Her face was as pale as the winter moon. Sometimes Sarah dances, and she makes Papa dance, too. His face shy, his smile like Caleb's smile. Sometimes, when Papa worries about the farm or the weather, Sarah takes his hand and pulls him outside. Come, Jacob, come walk with me, she says. And he does. They walk the fields and the country road, Lottie and Nick following them. Once they chased each other through the rows of corn, and we could hear the sounds of their laughter. Chapter 4 Papa came back from town with letters from Maine, letters for all of us from Sarah's aunts, Harriet and Maddie and Lou. It was evening, the oil lamp bright in the kitchen, Papa mended a bridle, Caleb leaning against him. I read a letter out loud. There was a storm, Aunt Maddie says, and the porch shingles went to sea. What does that mean, went to sea, asked Caleb, interrupting me. It means they blew into the sea, said Sarah with a smile. I began to read again. My hat went to sea too, the one with the bird on it. Caleb climbed up on Papa's lap. A real bird, exclaimed Caleb. Stuffed, Caleb, said Sarah. Aunt Maddie will miss that hat. Two inches of rain by the glass measure. I stopped reading, staring at the word rain. I looked up at Sarah and she was watching Papa, her face touched by the light from the lamp. A glass, asked Caleb. I tried to make Caleb stop talking. I didn't want Papa to think about rain. What about your letter, Sarah? asked Papa. Sarah shrugged. Just the weather, she said. Painting William's boat. Papa looked up at her. Read it, Sarah, he said softly. Sarah took the letter out of her pocket. Slowly she opened it. The grass is green, she read, growing so tall that we've cut it dozens of times already. The trees are lush. Autumn will be beautiful. Come visit all of you soon. Love, Maddie. There was silence in the room. Then Papa kissed Caleb and got up. He stood at the door, looking out at the red setting sun. It will be a beautiful sunset tonight, he said, his voice low. I can tell. Papa opened the door and went outside. A glass to measure rain, asked Caleb. Again, still thinking about Maddie's letter. Hush, Caleb, I said. Sarah didn't answer Caleb. She put her letter on the table, walked to the door, and went outside. I picked up the letter. There was more that Sarah hadn't read. It has rained nearly every afternoon, Maddie had written. It cools down the day and leaves us with good nights for sleeping. I watched Sarah put her hand on Papa's arm as he stood looking over the dry fields. My eyes filled with tears. I knew Sarah was sorry about the letters from Maine and the talk of rain. It's not your fault that Maine is green, Sarah, I thought. It isn't. It was dark and the moon was up when Caleb came in from outside. Nick with him. Sarah looked up from her book. Caleb, I thought you'd gone to bed long ago, she said. 
I had something to do, he said, for Papa. Sarah smiled and put her arm around him. Well, off to bed now. It's late, both of you. Caleb yawned and went up the stairs. Sarah went out to the porch. Papa came across the yard from the barn and stopped suddenly, then looked at Sarah. On the fence post between them was a small glass, sitting empty in the moonlight, waiting for rain. Roses grew on the fence when Sarah came, and all and the fields were filled with wildflowers. I learned to float in the cow pond, and Caleb ran with the sheep in the green fields. Now clouds, excuse me, now clouds come and go, and the hot winds too, but there is no rain for the roses. Dirt from the fields blows over everything, and the leaves have crumbled. Like dust, Joshua said when he took our picture. Like dust. End of chapter four. Chapter 5. Each day, Papa dropped a rope with a stone down the well to measure the water level. Is it past the mark? asked Sarah. Papa nodded. How much, Jacob? Papa held out his hands a foot apart. Caleb and I got up into the wagon to go to town. Soon we'll have to haul water for the animals, said Papa. We can do that, said Sarah. We'll have to measure out our own water, said Papa as he climbed up. But we already do that, Jacob. Papa looked down at Sarah. We'll have to use less. Sarah stared at Papa and then got up to sit next to him. We can do that too, she said firmly. We drove off down the road. After a while, Caleb poked his head between Sarah and Papa. Papa looked at him. So, Caleb, I put the glass on the post, said Caleb. Papa nodded but didn't say anything. To measure the rain when it comes, Caleb added. Thank you for that, said Papa. You're welcome, said Caleb happily. He sat back in the wagon and folded his arms. Papa smiled. All the way to town, I looked for green, but as far as I could see, the fields were brown. The wheat fields were dry. Turkey vultures circled in the distance. There was no green. Everything seemed slow in town, as if the heat had taken over. Papa left the wagon in the shade of the granary and slowly unloaded his last bags of grain from the wagon. Slowly, he walked inside. Mrs. Parkley's store was cool. Rose and Violet were there. Rose carrying Tom, who smiled at me. But Maggie had her arms around Caroline, who was crying. Caroline? What's wrong, Maggie? said Sarah. Their well is dry, Maggie said softly. Caroline, said Sarah. What can we do? There's nothing to do, Caroline said, drying up her tears. We've already packed up. Packed up, said Sarah shocked. Where will you go? They have family, said Maggie. Caroline took her packages and went to the door. She turned slowly, her face turned suddenly, her face sad. Joseph says we'll come back, she said. But we won't. I know we won't. She opened the door and left. Maggie walked over to the door and looked out. Surely we can do something, Sarah said. We could haul water, Maggie. We would all work harder. Sarah's voice grew louder, and Caleb moved closer to me. You can't just give up, said Sarah. You can't just give up everything you've worked for. Maggie whirled around, her face angry. You don't know how hard this is, Sarah, she said angrily. You haven't been in this kind of trouble before. Sarah stared at Maggie, then at the others in the store. Maggie reached over and took Sarah's hand. She opened the door and pulled her outside. I watched the two of them cross the dusty street. Maggie's arm went around Sarah, but they kept walking. Papa came out from the granary and watched them, too, Matthew beside him. 
Is Sarah angry? asked Caleb. I looked down at his worried face. No, I said. Sarah's not angry. Caleb sighed. Sarah likes to make things right, he said. We watched without speaking, and then Joseph and Caroline's wagon passed, all packed up with chairs and clothes and a cupboard, pots and pans tied on. Sarah turned to watch it, and Papa watched too from across the street, and then the wagon turned a corner and was gone. Chapter 6 The ride home from town was quiet, the wind blowing dust around us. Any news in town? asked Sarah wearily. Some news, said Papa. Good news. Good news? What good news? Your birthday's coming soon. Maddie wrote to to remind me. She didn't. She did, said Papa. So, what do you want? Jewels? Silk? Travel? Sarah laughed. Travel? Where would I go, Jacob? Somewhere green, said Papa. Somewhere cool. Sarah looked at Papa. Do you think I would leave? Asked Sarah softly. Papa was silent. Can we sing, Sarah? Asked Caleb. It's too hot, Caleb, she said. Too hot for singing. Papa flicked the reins over the horses' backs, but they wouldn't go faster. It's even too hot for Jack and old Bess, he said. I leaned back against the empty grain sacks and took out my journal, but it lay in my lap. Caleb moved over close to me. Why aren't you writing? There's nothing new to write, I said, lifting my hair off my neck. There's nothing good, just the heat. Fields are dried up. There's no rain. There will be rain, said Caleb. Papa said so, he pointed. That was the field where the wildflowers grew, remember? When Sarah came, the pond was full then. We went swimming and fell asleep in the grass. I stared at Caleb and then out at the field, remembering when the fields were green, remembering when the days were cool, remembering when Sarah came by train and Caleb and I were afraid that she'd miss the sea. Suddenly, Caleb stood up. Papa, fire! In the west, in the west meadow, a thread of smoke rose. Hold on, yelled Papa. Sarah dropped to the wagon floor, and we held on as the horses raced for the yard. Papa jumped down. Soak the grain sacks in the pond water. Hurry! Sarah and Papa ran to beat out the flames. We could see red flames in the dry grasses now. Caleb and I soaked the sacks and then ran closer to the fire, water dripping down our clothes. Stay back, warned Papa. There's a wind coming up. Nick and Lottie ran from the barn, barking, and then suddenly Sarah screamed. Her skirt was on fire. Papa turned and threw Sarah to the ground and smothered the flames with a sack. He pulled her up. Are you all right? When Sarah nodded, Papa began to shout at her. I told you to stay back. You never listen. I told you there was wind. Caleb took my hand. Sarah began beating the fire, now nearly out. You can't put out the fire alone. She shouted, stop yelling at me. Then there was only smoke. The grass is all black and smoldering. Papa beat at one small flame. He stood back and there was silence. Nick and Lottie stopped barking. We'll have to watch for fires all the time now, even at night, said Papa, out of breath. Sarah and Papa began walking back to the house. Sarah's hair was down, her clothes were wet and sooty. Papa looked at her, then away. You're a sight, you know, he said softly. Sarah didn't answer. Papa looked at her again, then smiled a small smile. You look beautiful, he said. I held my breath. I'd never heard Papa say such a thing, Sarah. Sarah kept on walking, then she turned and looked at him. Do you really think I would leave, she said, just for somewhere cool, somewhere green? This time Papa became, Papa was silent. The two of them walked away from the blackened grass, past the dogs, and past us just as if we weren't there. And that night, when Papa went out to close the barn door, Sarah ran after him. I saw them from my window. Papa took Sarah in his arms and kissed her, and they turned around and around and around, 
dust swirling over them in a cloud. My dreams are cool. They are cool, and the color of the sky, cool and the color of the sky before rain, a dark and peaceful blue, the clouds edged in black before the rain comes, and the earth smells sharp and sweet. I remember that smell. The days are hot and still now. Only my dreams are cool. End of chapter six. Skylark by Patricia McLaughlin, Chapter 7. We sat on the porch out of the terrible sun, Maggie fanning herself, Sarah mixing batter for biscuits, Rose and Violet rolled a ball in the dirt to Tom. Caleb sat watching the sky for clouds. This heat, said Maggie warily. I dream of my old home sometimes, and I dream of long, cool mornings of sleep without the baby waking. Sarah smiled. Night dreams or daydreams, she asked. What's a daydream, asked Caleb. Sarah sat back and looked at Tom, crawling happily in the dirt. Sometimes, no matter where you are, you think of something cool, sweet and cool, a place maybe, and suddenly it's there, or maybe it's something you wish for, and it is so near you can touch it, smell it, hear the sound of it. Sarah looked up suddenly as if caught in her thoughts. She's dreaming about Maine, Caleb whispered to me. No, it's not Maine, I thought. It's not Maine she's thinking about. It's something else. Tom grabbed the ball and held it over his head. Sarah smiled. I have dreams, Sarah, Caleb said. Good dreams, Caleb, she asked. I dream about rain, said Caleb. Do you? Do you dream about rain? Sarah reached over and took Caleb on her lap. Yes, Caleb, I dream about rain. Good, he said. Then it will come true. But rain was only in our dreams. The winds came every day, blowing dust through the windows and into the house until it covered the furniture and got into the food and our clothes and hair. The land got even drier and we stopped taking baths. Every day we hauled river water for the animals in big wooden barrels. And then the worst thing happened. We drove to the river in our wagon, empty barrels in the back. Clouds hung high in the sky. Maggie sat in her wagon by the riverbed. Matthew stood on the bluff over the river looking down. Hello, Maggie, called Sarah, but Maggie didn't speak. She didn't even look at us. We got down from the wagon. The river was nearly dry, only a small trickle in the red prairie dirt. Everyone was quiet. What will we do, whispered Sarah. We'll have to travel farther for water, said Papa. Think about it, Jacob, said Matthew. It'll be a three-day trip, maybe four. When we get back home, then what? Water for the crops? There are no crops. Papa looked at Matthew and then away over the land. Matthew sighed. Maggie and I have been talking about over talking about another way, he said. What? asked Sarah. I think what Matthew means is that they're thinking about leaving, said Papa softly. Sarah turned and looked at Maggie in the wagon. Leaving, she said, her voice rough and dry like the fields. Maggie climbed down and went behind the wagon. Sarah followed her. I walked closer and stood out of sight and saw Sarah put out her hand to touch Maggie. But Maggie took a step away as if Sarah's comfort was too hard, and I heard words I wished I hadn't heard. I hate this land, said Sarah. I don't have to love it the way Matthew and Jacob love it. They give it everything, everything, and it gives nothing back. They don't know anywhere anywhere else, Sarah, said Maggie. I closed my eyes, but I couldn't close out Sarah's words. 
Jacob once said, His name was written in this land, but mine isn't. It isn't, said Sarah angrily. You are like the prairie lark, you know, said Maggie. It sings its, its song above the land to let all the birds know it's there before it plunges down to the earth to make its home. But you have not come to earth, Sarah. There was silence then, and I opened my eyes again. You don't have to love this land, said Maggie, but if you don't love it, you won't survive. Jacob's right. You have to write your name in the land to live here. Sarah didn't speak. She took a handful of dry prairie grass in her hands, letting it crumble through her fingers. Then she walked away from us, through the dried grass, out onto the brown prairie that stretched all the way to the sky. She stood there all alone until Papa went to tell her it was time to go home. We hung wildflowers from the ceiling to dry them for winter, I remember. Sarah cut our hair, tossing it into the field so the birds could use it for nests. And we sang, and Sarah read books with us. Even her words were like a song. End of chapter 7. Okay, Mimi's going to read you chapter 8 of Skylark, and then I'll publish this one, and you'll have to go and help find or have your parent or someone help you find the second part of Skylark, because this will be the first part of the book, and then to finish the book, it will be in another episode. I'm going to have it be two episodes, okay? So chapter 8. Sarah and I sat in the kitchen. The air was thick with the heat, and there was no breeze. There hadn't been any wind for days. Sarah was writing a letter to the ants in Maine, I wrote in my journal. Remember the wildflowers, I asked Sarah, and the roses that grew on the fence? Remember singing? Sarah looked up. Yes, she said, and she reached out and touched my hair. I remember. Papa, Papa, coyote, Caleb shouted from outside. Sarah and I ran outside. By the paddock fence, a thin coyote was drinking water out of the water pail. He'll kill Moonbeam, shouted Caleb. Papa came from the field, took a step toward the coyote, then turned and ran to the house. He came out with his rifle. Jacob, what are you going to do? cried Sarah. Go inside, Sarah, he said. Papa raised his rifle to shoot the coyote, but Sarah grabbed the barrel of the rifle. No, don't do it, Jacob, don't. Sarah, stop, yelled Papa. Papa tried to push her away, and the coyote looked up at the sound of their voices. Slowly, he ran away over the field, stopping once to look back. Then he was gone. Sarah began to cry. He only wanted water. Water, Jacob. Caleb climbed over the paddock fence and stood next to me. Papa took Sarah's arm and turned to Caleb. Put the animals in the barn, Caleb, he said. Caleb turned and walked to the barn. Tears streamed down Sarah's face. Water, she said. He only wanted water, just like us. She slumped to the ground and put her hands on her face as she cried. Get Sarah something to drink, Anna, said Papa. He took off his hat and sat down on the ground next to her. Anna, he said sharply, now. I turned and went to the water barrel and scooped out a cup of water. Papa put his arms around Sarah. His voice was soft. Sarah, Sarah, he said softly, it will all be all right. It will be all right. But Sarah cried and cried. When Papa turned and looked at me, I knew that nothing was all right. The look in his eyes was fear. And that night, when I came in from going from the barn to go to bed, there was something else missing from the fence. Missing, like Sarah's roses, Caleb's glass was gone. They're coming, said Caleb, looking out up the upstairs window. He wore a clean shirt and his hair was brushed smooth. I wore the dress I had worn when Papa and Sarah were married. Outside, wagons came into the yard. Will this make Sarah happy? Caleb asked me, worried. 
I watched more wagons drive in. I saw Maggie dressed in a rose dress and a straw hat. Yes, I said. This will make Sarah happy. Anna, Caleb, what is this? said Sarah in the bedroom doorway. We whirled around silent. Sarah walked to the window to look out too, but I took her hand and pulled her out into the hallway. Papa looked up the stairs at her. He wore a vest and his hair was slicked back. He smiled at her. Happy birthday, Sarah, he said. There are guests and presents. And presents, Sarah, said Caleb. But I'm not dressed, said Sarah. Then get dressed, said Papa softly. Outside, there was a table in the shade of the house set with food and lemonade. Maggie and Matthew were there and Rose and Violet and the baby. All the neighbors were there too. Papa carried something covered with a cloth out to the table. What is it, asked Maggie. You'll see, said Papa. Here she is, someone said. We all turned and Sarah came out on the porch in her white dress. Happy birthday, Sarah, said Papa. Happy birthday, everyone called. Sarah smiled at the sight of them. Everyone washed and cleaned as if the prairie winds had stopped covering us all with dust. A present from the ants, said Papa. He took the cloth away and there was a phonograph. That means a, an instrument that makes, makes music, kids. I handed him a record and he put the needle on it. Suddenly music filled the yard. Sarah stared. Papa walked up to her. And held out his hand. She smiled and came down the steps and they began to dance. <sighs> Sorry, kids. Maggie and Matthew began to dance too, the baby between them. Everyone danced then in the dirt yard, the light around them all yellow like an old phone photograph. Sarah buried her face in Papa's shoulder and Caleb smiled at me. For a little while, as the sun began to set, as they danced, everyone forgot about the drought. For a while, everyone was happy again, even Sarah, even Papa. The last of the wagons left the moonlight. Left in the moonlight. Sarah and Papa waved goodbye. Caleb was asleep under the table and Papa took him off to bed. Then Papa helped Sarah carry the phonograph inside. I have a present for you, Sarah, I said, handed her a small book. Anna, what is this, said Sarah. It's a book I started about you, about our family, I said. Papa went out to the porch. Sarah sat down and opened the book. She began to read. When my mother, she stopped and looked at me. Then she began to read again. Papa stood outside the screen door listening. Okay, Mimi can finish reading now. Hopefully, when my mother, Sarah, came, she came by train. I didn't know I'd love her, but Caleb did. Papa didn't know either, but he does love her. I have seen them kiss. Sarah smiled at me. And I have seen the way he looks at her and the way he touches her hair. My mother, Sarah, doesn't love the prairie. She tries, but she can't help remembering what she knew first. Sarah stopped and closed the book, holding it close to her. You like it, I said. I like it, said Sarah softly. See if Mimi can get through another half page. <laughs> she put her arms around me, and I saw Papa watching us. Sarah got up then and went to the door. It was a fine party, Jacob. She put her hand up, and he did too, so that they touched through the screen. I'd almost forgotten music, whispered Sarah. Then she looked past Papa at the fence post. Where's Caleb's glass, Jacob? Papa didn't speak. Put it back, please, Jacob, said Sarah. It should be there when it rains. Papa stared at Sarah, and when I went to bed later that night, 
I looked out and saw it was there, shining and clean on the fence post. End of chapter eight. And remember, this is the end of this episode, the first half of Skylark. So the next episode I'll read from chapter nine to the end. This, would, this one will be called Skylark part one, and the next one you look for will be Skylark part two. Thanks for joining me, me, and you can uh, follow me on Spotify or wherever you're listening. That would be nice.